0: Don called me today and said, how would you feel about sharing, how to share your faith, basically. And I said, I mean, I I don't know if I let him get the question out of his mouth before I said, absolutely. One of the things I love to do is not only to share the gospel, but to teach people uh, how you can share the gospel, and what i want to share with you tonight, you can use on that piece of paper. A matter of fact, there's a reason why there's a big blame. Because you're going, to, you're going to actually learn how to share the gospel tonight using a piece of paper. You can do this on a napkin. I've done it on a whiteboard. I've done it in my office many times just using a piece of notebook paper. I've shared this, this message, the gospel, using this format with children, uh, with teenagers, with adults. And so it works at no matter what age we're doing, we're working with. You can use this. And two things I want to let you know up front. Number one is um, years ago, uh, a guy named William Fay wrote a study called How to Share Jesus Without Fear. Anybody heard of that? Some of you may have heard that years ago. And one of the things he talks about in that study is what he calls the sin of silence. Because we have been commanded in Acts 1-8 to be his witnesses. And when we are not being his witnesses, then we are living in disobedience. And so whenever we have an opportunity and we choose not to share the gospel, he says we're living in sin, the sin of silence. And that convicted me. And so I thought, man, I need to know how to share Jesus. And uh, man, I, I, got, I got on that. The other thing I want to let you know is that one of the, one of the Southern Baptists have really, or the church in general, has really perpetuated a losing mentality among believers. Because what we've told you is to go win souls for Jesus. Right? And when somebody doesn't get saved, how do you feel? Man, I just lost. I feel like a loser. I feel like a failure because they didn't accept Jesus. And I remember many times trying to literally convince people, argue people into the kingdom of God. And God showed me one day says, listen, son, that's not your job. That's mine, quit doing my job. Your job is simply to share the gospel. Introduce people to the love of God through Jesus Christ. And let me do the winning. Let me do the harvesting. Let me do the convicting. And so here's what I want you to say. Anytime you share the gospel, you won. All right? Anytime you get a chance to tell people about Jesus, you have won. It is not our job to win people to Jesus. Our job is simply to live out of obedience and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don talked about the gospel of Jesus Christ, Romans 1.16. For the gospel is the power unto salvation for God. And the gospel is powerful. And at the center of that is the cross, and we're going to learn how to share that tonight. A lot of people ask me, Mike, how do I get started? How do I get conversations... um, Going in the right direction and and so I've given you a handout on that handout We're gonna get some fill-in-the-blanks and then you're gonna get to draw pictures with me Um, And listen, I barely can draw stick figures so anybody's better at drawing pictures than I am okay And so if I meet somebody or if you meet somebody then um, Then there's two questions you can ask to determine number one Do they know Jesus, and where are they? What do they believe about eternity, and where are they in their spiritual walk? Now, listen, those two questions you may already know. One thing Don talked about this morning is using the concentric circles of concern. I love that book. Uh, I got to read it uh, as a part of evangelism class I took in seminary. I love that book. And a lot of times, if we would just look at the relationships that we have already... We would find within the circles of influence and the circles of our relationships people who do not know Jesus. And we could just take opportunities. We probably already know what they think about Jesus. And so these questions may help you transition to that, but they're not not necessary. And sometimes it's within the context of your conversation and the relationship of whether you want to use these questions or not. But I want to give you two questions that I've used in the past to help people, help me determine where people are in their relationship with the Lord and what they believe about eternity. And the first question I'll ask them is, is, do you know where you will spend eternity? Now what didn't I ask them? I didn't ask them about Savior, right. But I didn't ask them about where they were going to spend going to heaven or not. See, I just gave them the answer, didn't I? I want to know what they believe about eternity. You see, what we don't realize sometimes is in the church, especially in the Bible Belt, is the rest of the world doesn't always believe in heaven. And some of them have a really weird, twisted view of what heaven is. It's not a biblical view of heaven. And so if I asked somebody in the Northwest, where Cindy and I spent five years... You know, do you believe you're going to go to heaven? Absolutely. But heaven to them could be some utopia that everybody gets to go to no matter what. What I want to know is, do they, do they believe in eternity? Because here's, here's where they're going to spend eternity. Because here's what I do know, what the Bible says. We all have eternal life. The question is, is where are we going to spend it? Are we going to spend it with God or apart from God? Does that make sense? So, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Absolutely. All right. Where would that be? If they say heaven, if they say anything other than that, then I kind of know where they're going. If they say heaven, then I can say, you know, well, imagine something tragic happens. And you end up standing in front of God. And he says, Mike, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Now, what I'm learning is, what do they believe about heaven and how you get there? Because even in the Bible Belt, you will find people who say, I love Jesus. I went to VBS when I was a kid with Grandma. I went to Sunday school. I went to church. I treat people right. I've never killed anybody. I've never, you know, done drugs. I don't drink. I take care of my family. Basically, what they're saying is, they're a good person. And what they're saying is, is I'm going to get to heaven on my works. And that ought to tell you right then and there where the, what they believe about how they're going to get to heaven. Now, if they were to say, well, Mike, when I was eight, I was at children's camp, at, at church camp. And, uh, and man, uh, Pastor was sharing. Man, and I felt, man, there was something in my life I was missing. And I went down front, and I prayed, and I received Jesus Christ. And, uh, man, uh, I love that. That tells me I get to celebrate with, an, with a brother or sister I didn't know I had. We're, we're okay there. But if we have anything that leads to works or to, or to some other view of how you get to heaven, well, because everybody goes to heaven. God loves everybody. He's not going to send anybody to hell. Then I go to my next question. Because that's raised some doubts in my head. Anywhere from a, from a red flag to a yellow flag is doubts. If you're not sure, then you go to the next question Well, Mike, do you mind if I share with you how I know for sure where I'll spend eternity? Again, I'm not talking about heaven yet because I know where I'm going to spend eternity. Can I share with you, Mike, how I know for sure where I'll spend eternity? And what I'm doing is I'm getting their permission to share the gospel with them. They're giving it to me. If they say, well, no, I don't have time or whatever, you know what, that's great. How can I pray for you? Now, what did I just do there? How did I make them feel? I made them feel valued. You see, even though they weren't ready to hear about the gospel, what they said is, Mike cares about me whether I, whether I want to carry on this conversation or not. And at every step in this process, if somebody says, you know, I'm just, I'm just running out of time, I just don't have the time, or I just, I'm not ready for this, Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share with you what I have been. Is there some way I can be praying for you? And then if you see him again, hey, I've been praying about that prayer. Request. how's that going? You know, you kind of got to do it if you're going to commit to it, okay? So you can't just say, I'm going to say that and then move on to the next person. But what that tells them is that you care about them as a person. How can I pray for you and mean it? But if they say, you know, Mike, sure, I'd love to know how you know. I'm going to share with you, you need to know one verse that explains the gospel so succinctly. You you can use other verses, and I'll show you how to use those in a minute. But if Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, and some versions say the free gift of God, is through Christ Jesus our Lord. And, I, and, and then, then I start into the present. I grab a piece of paper and I say, let me, let me show you. I'm a, I'm a visual guy. Any, anybody visual in here besides me? And if you're a guy, you probably better raise your hand. Yeah, and some ladies are too yeah we're visual I'm a picture guy it makes more sense when I have a picture and so what I'll do is I'll grab a piece of paper and I'll grab a pen and, uh, and I can use a napkin I've done this over lunch I've done this uh, on planes I've done this anywhere I've been I've been able to share the gospel this way and I said I draw two lines and on your piece of paper draw these lines and I tell them you know when we're born we're born Separated from God. And he's the king, right? So he gets a crown. Right? We're born separated from God. And it's because God, the Bible says, is holy. And because he's holy, he can allow no sin into his presence. And so we're born separated from God. But here's what the Bible says about that. I want you to draw three boxes just like this. Why do you draw boxes? You might know. What do boxes do in a document? When you're reading a book and you see a box, where does your eye go? To the box. It's for emphasis. And so if you just write a bunch of words down and you draw a bunch of other words around it, they're going to get lost. But if it's in a box, they'll focus on those words. In In those boxes, I want you to write this word. Wage. Wages. Sin. Death. Remember Romans 6 23, for the wages of sin is death. And I asked him, I said, Do you, what's a wage? And if it's an adult, I usually get an answer. If it's a child, I'll say, Well, if you do chores, do you get paid for chores? Yeah. Well, if you do your chores this week, your wage is what your mom and dad owe you at the end of the week or whenever they get paid, right? And so it's really, it's kind of it's what you deserve for what you have done. Write the word deserve out here. And it may be some other word that they use. You can use their language here. You say, well, that's something I deserve. I, I, I'm owed. Okay, you could even use that. Whatever they use, you can use their words. And you say, great. Now, when I use the word sin, especially with somebody who doesn't understand, um, understand the gospel, uh, they may give me several different definitions, but I always ask them, what, what is sin to you? Here's what most people say, it's when I mess up. You're right. It's when we mess up and we live in disobedience to God. And so we write out here, we mess up. That's what they tell me. Mike, it's when I mess up. If it's a child or even a teenager sometimes, I'll say, you know, it's when, you know, like when mom and dad tell you to do something and you don't do it, like clean your room and you choose not to, that's disobedience. That's sin. You've messed up. As a matter of fact, and this is where you can say this, said the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. And so if you want to, you can write Romans six twenty uh, three twenty three out here if you want to. You can use that. Yeah, and so we've all sinned. I said, I as a matter of fact, I don't know anybody who hasn't sinned. And even even people who are lost will even say, well, there's only been one perfect person. That's Jesus. And they recognize that. And you're like, you're right. So what we're saying is that we've all messed up. Exactly. Now, when I get to the death part, what I want to do is explain to them what Paul meant when he said death. Because that's kind of like, whoa. Now you're getting a little deep on me. And so, next to death, I want you to write separation. Because in the New Testament, when the New Testament writers talk about death spiritual in a spiritual sense, they're talking about being separated from God for now and forevermore. In other words, there's nothing we can do to have a relationship with God. And so I go back now and I want them to understand where we're going and where we're coming from because here's here's most of the problem with lost people. They don't understand why they need a Savior. They don't understand why they need Jesus. So here's what we talked about, Mike. What you're saying is that what you deserve because you've messed up, live in disobedience, is separation from God from now and forevermore. What that means is that We will never get here where God is. And it doesn't matter how hard we try. We can try. We can do really good stuff. We can try really hard. And we can live a really good life. But guess what? Romans 3.23 says we're always going to fall short. Because of the sin in our life. And because of that, we cannot have a relationship with God. Here's the cool thing. Draw a box right here. But... But God pursued a love relationship with you and me. You may even put John three sixteen right here. Romans five eight. John three sixteen. But you know what? The Bible says that God so loved you and me that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him, believes in him, would not perish, would not be separated but live everlastingly with him, have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So God is pursuing a love relationship with you, Mike. And what he offers is three boxes. And in those boxes, I want you to write this. Gift God. Eternal life. He he pursues a love and relationship and he gives us this incredible gift. Matter of fact, Ephesians two, eight, and nine says that salvation comes by faith. It comes through faith. It comes by grace through faith that it is a gift of God it's not of ourselves so that no one none of us can boast now now here's why I ask him what's a gift now Van Baker you love to hunt I know that for a fact And a lot of guys do in here and imagine that, that you told me a gun you would love to have it would be your dream gun so say a Beretta over under would that be a good gun Okay, you'll take it. And I said, you know what? I'd love to give you this gun. But you know what, Van? Man, this sure is expensive. I'll tell you what, if you give me half, I'll give you the gun. Would that be a gift? No. Why? Because he's given me something in exchange for it. But what if I said this? Hey, Van... I got this gun. Now, you don't owe me anything for it. I want to give it to you, brother. I know you would appreciate it. You would enjoy it. You would use it. I uh, said, and you don't owe me a dime. But, but on Saturdays now, I really could use help with the car, washing it, uh, come and do me some yard work, maybe come helping me clean the toilets on Saturday morning, you know, stuff like that. Would that be a gift? No. Why? Because now he's earning it. And we just read... In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that a gift is not earned. It's not of anything that we do. And so next to here, you may want to write Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. No, see, a gift, a gift is something that we simply receive and appreciate, right? Like there's times in gifts, I've never chosen the gift that I received. When I was a kid... You know, anybody ever go through? We lived overseas. We used to get the JCPenney and the Sears Christmas catalog, and we circled everything, and it seemed like it was 99% of the toy in the sports section. Anybody do that besides us? Yeah, we didn't get it. But that was okay. You know? And I tell the story, they said, there's a story that goes along with that. It said, you know, there's been I, Christmas around our house when I was growing up was special because we lived overseas, and it was always just my. Myself, my two brothers, my mom and dad. And uh, we were always said, you know, you can't get up until this certain time, and then we'll get up as a family and we'll go in. Uh, I tried one time, fooling parents. I set all the clocks ahead by three hours. I went in, mom, dad, it's, it's, it's time to get up at seven o'clock. And I think mom and dad had just got to bed, you know. It was really four. I didn't make it to the door. They're trying to get out of bed. They're wiping their eyes. Dad turned on the light, and he says, Michael Wayne. Anybody ever, when your parents used both names that you knew right then and there, it was time to just stop in your tracks? And he goes, what time is it? I said, Dad, it's 7 o'clock. Guess what I forgot to set? Yeah, Dad's watch still said 4. So he banished me to my room where I played Nerf basketball for three hours and kept my brother awake. But we went in there, and it was cool because, man, we had so much fun. I remember that Christmas, and, man, I got the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip with the beard and the talking. Anybody ever get that? That was just, that was awesome. You know, we got, I mean, it was cool. And then we would all go in. Mom would fix this incredible breakfast, and, and, uh, man, we would go in and sit as a family, and we would laugh and just sing, and we loved music in our house, and, and so it was all, Christmas music was playing in the background, and then afterwards, Dad would always come to me and my brothers and said, all right, Mom, fix breakfast. You guys, let's, let's clean up, and then we'll go in and sit down and relax a little bit. Okay. And then while we're cleaning up, Dad would come in, and he put his arm around me and he said, son, did you enjoy Christmas? Yeah, Dad. Did you like what Santa brought Absolutely. Well, here's the receipts. Your first payment is due in January. Now, my parents didn't do that, but if they did that, would those been gifts? No. See, they gave those gifts out of the love and the kindness of their heart because they wanted to see us enjoy them and appreciate them, and we did. You see, God does the same thing, that he gives us this gift that's free, that all we have to do is receive it. It comes from him, and it's called eternal life. Next to eternal life, right, relationship. Now, and up here, if you want to, you can write, this is us. And I'm going to show you something. You see, what we deserve because of what we've done, we've done, is separation from God. But because God loved us so much, he didn't leave us there. Instead, he gave us a gift, something he gave us. From God, not of ourselves, is a relationship. And so now we have to ask, well, how, how, Mike, the question is is now, how do you enter into this relationship with God? Oh, thank you for asking. I'm not really good at this, so y'all have to bear with me. It's through the cross. Matter of fact, underneath here you could write Christ Jesus Hour you see, because it's through the cross, as Don spoke about this morning, the cross is central to the gospel because it's through the cross that we are redeemed, we are sanctified, we are justified, and we are made right with God, and we are made holy so that we may enter into a perfect relationship with Him. You see, if the cross doesn't exist, neither does the gospel because there's no avenue... By which we can do anything to deserve a relationship with the Holy God. And so the cross is central. And so Mike what you have to understand is that Christ died for our sins. John 3.16. Romans 5.8. He became sin who knew no sin so that we may be called the righteous of God. So he took on the sin and the penalty of our sin. And so now is he Jesus Christ Jesus the Messiah? But he is now what we have to do is accept him as our Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but in my house, I come home and Cindy runs to the door at the garage and she says, Lord Mike, your mealeth awaiteth. How many guys get that? Come on. Yeah, see, Todd, absolutely. <laughs> Did you bring your own car? <laughs> I think that looked me. You you got to ride home. Find a ride home. No, actually it doesn't. And to be honest, guys, we don't use that 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 word in our language much anymore, do we? No. When I asked children, I said, "Think of when we say Christ Jesus, our Lord. Not only our Savior for the penalty of our sins, but now He's our boss. What do you do when the boss tells you to do something?" Children immediately will say, "You do it." Adults, they start thinking, well, should I do this? Is this something I can get somebody else to do? I don't like my boss anyway. Um, I won't get into it. So so we start rationalizing. But in reality, when the boss says it, we do it. And that's literally giving control of our life to Jesus. I love when our guys do baptism because not only do we talk about accepting Christ as our Savior, we talk about giving control of our life and living for Him from now and forevermore. And that's what we're talking about here. And so not only are we accepting Jesus as our Savior who saves us from the penalty of our sins and keeps us from spiritual death, But because of his death on the cross, now we get to have a relationship with God now and forevermore. We don't have to wait till we die to have a relationship with him. We have it now. John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly, more abundantly. Now. So Mike, does this make sense to you? And the reason why I ask that question is because if there's anything up here that's keeping them, that's keeping them from making that, that next step into accepting Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, I want to know now. So I ask them, is there anything about this that doesn't make sense to you? Yeah, over here. And then I go back and we walk through that to make sure they get it. And he said, you know, when I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior through the cross, then I get to have this incredible relationship with him. And everybody's excited. The Bible says that angels throw a party. Did y'all know that? They celebrate. Man, I, we ought to get really excited when people get baptized. If angel, if, listen, if heaven's throwing a party, we ought to also. That's my theory. So, but we get, And I ask them, where are you? Where do you see yourself in this process? And they may be right here. They said, you know, Mike, man, this is great. I, I just need, I need to think about this. Okay. If you have any questions, call me. How can I pray for you in the meantime? Well, Mike, I'm, I'm kind of here. Man, I, I just, I'm just struggling. And I'll tell you, there's some struggles that lost people have. And, um, and, and sometimes it's, it's not that they don't get this. But I had a friend one time who his wife um, his wife was a different belief. And he asked me, he says, so what do you believe about others who don't, you know, accept Christ? And I said, well, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can have a relationship with the Father unless they come through him. So it means they, they won't be in heaven. And you know what he was thinking? If I accept Christ, I have to go tell my wife and her family everything they believed for generations is wrong. And he had to wrestle with that. And he needed time to wrestle with that. And so I couldn't force him. Remember, my job is to do what? Share the gospel. God's job is to do what? Win him. And so I did. I said, you know what? We're still friends. We still see each other on Facebook. I Man, I holler at him every now and then. And I pray for him. But what if they say, "Mike, man, I'm here. I am ready, man. My ne- I'm, man, I want to do this. I want this life. I want eternal life. I'm tired of living over here. I want to be over here." What do you do next? Well, you lead them. He said, "You know, Mike. There's a prayer you can pray, and there's nothing magical about the words and the prayer itself. There's, it's about your heart." But all you have to do is walk them through what you've just helped them understand and lead them to the cross. He said, Mike, just repeat after me. You know, and he just said, lead them. He said, you, know, you can close your eyes. And I said, God, you know, here's your prayers, whether you close your eyes or whether you open them. But just repeat after me. God, I know I'm a sinner and I deserve separation from you because of my sin. But I know that you love me and that you give me the free gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus. And today I accept Him as my Savior and I give Him control of my life. Amen. You have the prayer in one verse. Not only do you have the gospel, but you have the prayer. People are saying, well, I don't know what to pray. Pray the verse. It works. Here's what I want you to do tonight. As we wrap up, I want you to give you a couple things to think about before you go. Number one, this doesn't happen naturally. Some of you have heard me share this before, whether it's in a men's group or or at the last Global Impact Conference, you heard me share this. you got to practice it. I had a friend one time who was learning how to share his faith. He went to his daughter's house and he says, can I share with you what I've been learning in Bible study? She went, sure. He shared the gospel with her. She said, dad, I've never done that. I'd like to do that today. He led his daughter to the Lord, practicing. Listen, it's okay to find a lost person and say, I- "I've been working on something." Can I just share with you something I've-, I've been practicing and share the gospel? If they ever stop you, you say, "You know, that's okay." How can I pray for you? But you may never know what God is doing in front of you and whose heart He is preparing to hear the gospel. We're not going to win them to the Lord. That's God's job. So here's what I want to do. Practice. Get pieces of paper out. Cut them in half. Practice drawing, you know, a side, a side of, you know, me, God, crown, he's being, three boxes, wages, sin, death, but, gift, God, eternal life, cross Christ Jesus our Lord and practice explaining that and practice asking somebody that practice on your spouse or on your children you might lead a child or a student to the Lord you might lead a friend or a neighbor or somebody for years you've known you're just thinking man listen I have done the worst job sharing the gospel and God used it to lead somebody to the Lord it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be the gospel does that make sense because in Romans 1.16, for the p- power of the gospel is salvation unto the Lord. And so, don't be afraid. So you got to practice. The more you practice, the more comfortable you will get with it. Matter of fact, you heard on the video uh, this morning, if you were here this morning, from our student team that went to Zambia. Some have said, you know, it was the first time I shared the gospel, and I was really uncomfortable and I was really nervous. But they still did it, and God honored their obedience. It's going to be awkward sometimes. It's going to be uncomfortable. That's okay. The more you do it, the more you'll get comfortable with it. The second thing is make it your own. This is mine. You may have some other verses you use. You may have some other ways that you explain those things. That's okay. Start with the core of the gospel at Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If you can do that, then you can do this. And so, make it your own. Third is, turn that piece of paper over. Turn that piece of paper over right now. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down the names of three people you know in your life that are lost. And if something were to happen to them today, they'd be separated from God for now and forevermore. Write down their, their name. Three, just three. That's all I want for you to commit to. Here's what I want you to commit, that if you write those names down, you will do a couple things. One is you will commit to pray for them. Secondly, you will look for opportunities to share the gospel with them. And third, when those opportunities arise, that God will give you the boldness to step through and share the gospel. Three people. I want you to write their names right now? Now here's here's I want to give you a warning about lost people. We got to quit demonizing lost people. Not every person's lost. There's a murderer, a rapist, an abuser, a drug user, a dealer. A, a, did you know there are lost people who love their families, who work hard, who are great people? When I was in uh, in Oregon, we had three families around us in our, in our neighborhood, Our neighborhood was our mission field. I love those guys. We would go hang out. We would go do stuff just with the guys. We would do stuff with their families. You know, every one of those guys worked hard. One guy who hired Cindy, uh, and then he went to another company and left her there. Um, not only is he working full time, he worked on his MBA while providing for his family. Because he wanted better for his family. Other guy had been uh, a postal worker, worked for the post office for almost 20 years, loved his family. Another guy worked for UPS. You don't think that guy worked hard? Especially during Christmas and rain? And listen, it rains in Portland, believe me. Those guys worked hard and they loved their families, they loved their wives. They just didn't know Jesus. So we got to stop acting like lost people who walk around with horns and a pitchfork and they're out to get us. They're not out to get us. They just don't know Jesus. You talk to Gay. Gay Kittrell builds relationships with people from other countries. She'll tell you, they're not demons. They're not out to get us. They just don't know Jesus. Ben just didn't know Jesus, did she? That was it. You ever been in Ben's before she met Jesus? You would have thought she's just a friendly person. Now she's a sister in Christ. And so we need to quit acting like all lost people ought to be in jail. All right? They just don't know Jesus and they need somebody to tell them. How will they believe if they don't hear? How will they hear if no one tells them? All right. So I want you to write those three names down. Now. As we move into our time of invitation, here's what I want you to know. Number one, God loves you more than anything else in the world. He loves your children more than you do. That's hard to believe, but he does. And he pursues a love relationship with you. And if you're here today and you have never entered into that incredibly wonderful relationship with him, you have just heard how much he loves you and wants to have a relationship and how to have that relationship and tonight during our invitation tonight may be the night the day of your salvation and we would love to celebrate with you our pastors will be down here Uh, I'll be down here if you want to come and talk to us man we'll open up these scriptures we'll let you read them for yourself we'll let you look at them we'll let you see how much God loves you and how he gave his only son to die on the cross for you to become your sin so that you can have a relationship with him now and forevermore. We'd love to do that tonight and help you take that next step. If you're here and you're a member of Win Baptist, or you're here and you're a regular tender, and, and, and you know without a, without a doubt, that you have a relationship with God. Then here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to bring those three names to the altar, and I want you to begin praying for them tonight, because if we don't start somewhere, they're going to end up in your Bible. And you're going to open it up next week and go, oh, yeah, i was supposed to be praying for Mike and Dan and Jerry. Man, I didn't get to that this week. Let's start praying for them tonight. Why don't you bring them to the altar and lay them before God. And say, God, man, these are friends of mine. These are family members. These are children. These are adults that if something were to happen to them today, they would be separated from you for now and forevermore. Please, God, please open up their hearts. Open up their eyes. Open up their ears. Give me opportunities. Give me boldness to share. See, Don said the decline in baptism profession of faith in Southern Baptist Church since 1999, the major contributing factor is because we don't care. We talk like we do, but we act like we don't. We're not broken for the lost people in our families. We're not broken for the lost people in our community. We're not broken for fellow students in our schools. We're not broken for fellow teachers or coworkers that we know and we see every day. Let's start today and ask God to break our hearts by praying for them right there. Let's pray. God, it's your gospel I didn't do anything tonight, but just show how much you love us and how you have taken all the steps to pursue a love relationship with us. And all you're waiting for us to do is receive that free gift of eternal life and put our faith in in you through Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of our lives. I pray right now for anybody who has not done that in this room, that God, you would speak into their lives, you would, you would speak into their hearts and let them know that, God, if something were to happen today, that they would spend eternity separated from you, not enjoying a relationship with you in heaven. I pray they would make that step tonight. Tonight, if you, if you, if you were here and you know without a doubt that you would not spend eternity with God, I want you to repeat this prayer after me, just between you and God. God I know I'm a sinner and what I deserve because of my message because of my disobedience because of my life is to be separated from you but I thank you God that you love me enough that you have given me the gift of eternal life through your son Jesus Christ I receive your forgiveness and I receive him to now as my savior and I give him the control of my life man if you prayed that prayer right now you have just started a party in heaven and we'd love to celebrate with you And we would love to know that and as our as we when I say amen and we stand to sing I want you to come and, and just share that with one of our pastors remember man, if you got some names Bring them and give them before God. Ask Him to break our hearts for the lost in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our community. Father God, we turn this time over to you. We invite you here. Holy Spirit, fill us. Convict us. Call us out. Make us uncomfortable with lost people in our lives. Compel us through your love to share the gospel. We thank you and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.